Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, the future is Luca. The timing sucks because the maps are ass. But did you see his no look pass? Whoa! Don't fight the future, the future is Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks, that's a that's a total lie. Every single Mavs podcast, every single podcast loves Dirk Nowitzki. I was going to do this whole thing about we're the only one that does it. You know, we're the one, you know, the true believers in Dirk Nowitzki. Honestly, if you have a podcast and you don't believe in Dirk Nowitzki, you're doing it wrong. Just stop podcasting. You need to find another profession. We all love Dirk Nowitzki. And that's what we're here to talk about today. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks We've uh we kind of just slid into on the seventy seven minutes feed, um on the podcast we kind of just slid into off season mode. So consider this a special episode. Dirk Nowitzki just went to the Hall of Fame over over the weekend. Um, you're recording on a Monday night. You'll listen to this this week, and you know what better time to just sit around, share some Dirk stories, hear from it from somebody who was actually at the Hall of Fame weekend. That's Brian Damaris, uh, who you know from all sorts of places, but you know uh, Mavs uh, Studio Forty One, uh, the, the the ticket, and and D Magazine. We've also got his editor, D Magazine's Mike Pellucci. Mike, let me kick it to you to set the scene of the piece Brian wrote and what questions you have for him as the person who actually edited it, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So while you, while Tim is very correct that every Mavericks podcast. Mm-hmm. Talks about Dirk Nowitzki and loves Dirk Nowitzki. Not we every love him the most. Well, uh, uh, yes, because we have a close personal friend of Dirk Nowitzki's here, and not every podcast has someone who has shot the shit in Dirk's backyard with him and been there for the highs and been there for the lows. And I told Brian this this morning, uh, or maybe it was last night, right before this piece was done. But you know, one of the cool things we've got a really robust Mavericks lineup over at D Magazine. You know, with him, with Jay Kemp, with Istok Franco, with Zach Crane, but. With Brian in particular, what's been so cool is over the last year and a half is we've had so many Dirk milestones with 
the you know the jersey retirement and the statue and the overseas jersey retirement that brian was at and now this it's really cool having brian here to chronicle it all because brian's been with dirk through a lot of stuff and also because brian's been with dirk through a lot of stuff when you do something like what brian did at the hall of fame uh there isn't really much instruction other than you know, Brian says, hey, I'm going to be at the Hall of Fame. And I say, okay, cool. Uh, write something. <laughs> and, and we kind of understand what it's going to be, which is Brian's going to write for the heart. Because I think with something like this, with Dirk, he means so much to the city. He means so much to everyone in a way that I, no athlete really in the last 25 years, I'm, I'm going post-Cowboys Super Bowls, right? But even in some ways, Dirk is different from them. I don't know if there's an athlete who means more to the city than Dirk. And so just writing from emotion and writing from a place that is not just a wider emotion, but a little bit closer to him too with Brian. Uh, that's the gift that he has here because he knows the man underneath. And, you know, when everybody's there at the Hall of Fame this weekend, well, Brian's with him in the celebrations and Brian's bumping into him, you know, for the lead of his story when he just happens to see Dirk. And, he, you know, he knows full well that Dirk is nervous about the speech and he's there to give him some words of encouragement. And so from there, you know, I'll turn it to Brian. I mean, you, you've been around Dirk for a bunch of these. You've written these different stories for us all of them have been great what was different about this one for you you know i was a little nervous to be honest with you going into it and by the way great to be back on 77 minutes in heaven that's is where follow and i started our podcast career before tim said he wanted it back for himself i'm kidding studio 41 <laughs> stole us away but we're we're very happy with with where we are but but good to be back on here um yeah, the first one was the Jersey retirement, and that was kind of the Dirk is awesome article. And then it was the German Jersey retirement, which was he's, he's awesome everywhere. And then I interviewed uh, Omri Amrani for the statue. I kind of wanted to take a different approach. And so I was like, okay, I'm not really sure how to play this one. Um, and I remember texting with you actually last week, Mike. I said, hey, listen, I'm just going to go and get into my fields and see, you know, what I'm thinking I'm going to you know make notes on my phone throughout the weekend and kind of when I get home Sunday uh process it and and that's kind of how it came out. Um you know, I had that the story from Milan kind of uh I, I kind of never really planned on telling that story, but I uh it just seemed to to fit with the whole idea of talking about Dirk in a in a human way. You know, it it's it's a little weird for me because I know that as a as an article hook being the dirk friend is kind of important to put out there it's just weird for me to to say that and and, and i it, it makes me uncomfortable but i know that's kind of the whole point is to say okay i've spent some time with him how do i share that with everybody else so i don't say you know these things in a self-serving way i say it more to let me share with everybody kind of what i've been able to to gleam uh, from the privilege of kind of having a ticket on this ride. So, um, you know, when I just knew he was uptight Friday night and, and he was, you know, he was verbally saying that. And so when I saw him Saturday, my, it was going to be a brief interaction and it was a random interaction. I just wanted to just, you know, give him that pep talk and, and, and I could just tell, you know, when he said, you know, I'm going to get it done, like, you know, yeah, 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 you are you know, you, you got this. And, um, and so that just kind of helped flow the whole story in terms of, you know, I got quotes from, you know, key people throughout the weekend uh, that I think were important to him that I wanted to put out there, uh, tell the story of him, you know, as a, as a 
person who made an impact in all of our lives. I think as fans, I think as writers and editors and, and each of us, um, you know, the, the way he played and who he was, uh, is why, like you say, Mike, why we have this bond with him that we don't have with other people. You know, you saw the transparency, the honesty, he was a little nervous and we, that was cute and, and cool because it was who he was. And, uh, you know, I mean, Tim, I'm sure you, you know, you have fellow beat writers that, you know, listen, we just saw James Harden news, like stars aren't easy to deal with a lot of times. And he is so unique in that he was accessible and, and relatable. My, my favorite thing about Dirk is the, the way that he lived his life, played his career and, and spent his time in, in Dallas and the NBA is, is the personal connection that people genuinely feel they have to him. Uh, I think some of the best writing about Dirk has been the telling of people's own stories as a, you know, as a function of what Dirk meant to them. You know, we may talk about these stories a little bit later on, but Zach Crane's, uh, you know, his book, I See You, Big German, uh, and, and a piece I did on Friday that was really highlighting some of the stuff that most stuck with me. Uh, you know, I, I that book was included in there. Some of the writing that has most stuck with me. And I describe it as a memoir, but like a a sacrificial memoir, you know, as as a like he, Zach's putting his story out there in place of so many people who have their own life stories and Dirk intersects and he's important at all these important junctures in their own life. Uh, there was a Mavs Moneyball piece I, I referenced in there, too, that, you know, was was somebody named Josh Pincus, uh, whose whose father passed away with cancer, you know, the year of the championship. And so everybody has their own story and everybody relates to Dirk in in their own ways. And, and the fact that he was in the city and that people were following and watching and rooting and cheering and believing for him all these years, you know, of course, he intersects with all these important moments that Mavericks fans have had. And when I read your piece, uh, you know, when I like that was the closest I think that you've kind of got to that, Brian. And obviously it's different because, you know, him, but it was also like, here's my own personal interactions with him and you know in some way you know it was it almost read as you know yes you knew him but you know you're also a fan of him you're also a fan and in the same way that so many people are a fan of him and and so that 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 kind of stuck with me and and yeah different contexts and and everybody has their own stories to go with it but i think that's just one of the coolest things about dirk yeah and and it's go ahead mike i was just gonna say i mean i I think so much of the the power of this, and I wrote about this when he retired. Um, I was freelance at that point. So this was for, for fan side. It actually, this was several years ago, obviously, but like, you know, part of it is like, why do we feel this attachment to him? Well, it's the person, but it's, you know, he talked about in the speech, he said the most important, important thing to him was loyalty. Right. And that's not a shocker. We all know that about how much that means to him, but what does that loyalty mean? It means two things. It means one, when you're that loyal for 21 years, he, becomes a proxy for just kind of permanence and solidity when everything else changed. And I thought it was really telling that I did this in my piece and John Sharks for the, you know, the ringer rest in peace, our good friend, John Sharks did something similar in a piece he wrote and Andrew Topolowski of Mavs Moneyball, who's kind of retired for the blog game, but a great writer in his own right. He did this. All three of us did the same thing, not talking to each other, about tracing his career timeline through points in our lives because you can do that 
when it's 21 years. You know, we bonded with him as a city because he was here. You know, he outlasted everything else. I mean, we're talking entire, you know, presidencies had come and gone, right? Buildings had come and gone. You know, he barely, I mean, the old ballpark in Arlington slash Globe Life Field slash Choctaw Stadium, whatever we're calling it by the end, that was the one venue that he didn't outlast from when the time he was drafted through when he left for all four of the major teams. So there's this idea of, well, yeah, he's loyal and we know this person, but what does that mean? It means he's in our lives for so long that we latch on to him because everything else kind of fades away, but he's there. And then the second aspect of that, and I think this really, you know, is to me the part that always stuck out the most as somebody who cares about being from Dallas and has moved away from Dallas and come back here. You know, if he was this loyal, if he was Kobe in L.A., it's really easy to be loyal as a Los Angeles Laker. That's not to say, you know, no shade on Kobe or any of those guys, but it's really definitely shade on L.A. (laughs) I love L.A. I liked L.A., but it's really easy to do it. Because it's a glamorous place and a glamorous franchise. And Dallas is a city that often doesn't know what it is and tries so hard to figure out what it is and sometimes tries to imitate other things. And Dirk being loyal to 21 years for this place is Dirk telling Dallas that this is enough, that this place that doesn't know what the hell it is, the city that doesn't know what it's really about, that is striving to be something else, because in some ways it's insecure. Well, Dirk is telling you and has told you, and the fact that he's remained here and will always remain here, this place is home to him. This place is enough to him. That's so powerful. That is so meaningful to somebody like me who I've lived out of Dallas, you know, for a good 10, 12 years of my life. And I, I've saw, you know, I took pride in where I'm from, but when you live in LA, people like Dallas, okay, whatever. Cause it's LA, you know, he could have left so many times. There were times maybe he should have, but he didn't. And I think when you combine those two things, three things really, because one, I think we, he's very transparent about who he is and it's, about as authentic as you can get. But when he's been that for so long, and he's been that here in a place that he doesn't have any ulterior motive to be, right? He doesn't have to say, I love Dallas the way I would. I love LA. Well, do you love LA? You just love living in LA. No, he loves Dallas. You have to really love it here to be here for 21 years. And that to me, you swirl it all together. And that's why, you know, even if Luka Doncic is here his whole career, as I'm sure everybody wants that to happen. It won't mean quite the same thing because Dirk was the first guy who really did that to this place and was so vulnerable and grew up here in a way that it's different from what Luka would have done. Yeah, and when I started with the Mavs in 02, you know, we were all young, single, you know, you're going out, you're finding your way. And to see, you know, all of our developments where now I'm in the media side talking about the team, he's got three kids and is this global ambassador for the city. Um, and just seeing all of this kind of development and you're right, Mike, I think what you hit on was, you know, during that he was, he was always there throughout anything that we had going on in our lives. You know, after I left the Mavs and, and before I got in the media world, I was, I was a fan sitting in section 121 row a with my brother and my brother is seven years older than me. And we were going through a time where not a lot was going right, but we had those games together and we, we, we went to every game and, and the way he played and who he was, we had those games to talk about and we bonded over it. And now we're in a great place because we just had Dirk being Dirk and, and not going anywhere and, and working hard and, 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 saying, listen, I want to 
to do this right here. And, you know, I alluded to this in my article, you know, literally sitting on my couch after, you know, the season, I think it was in 09 going, you know, another year of my prime down the drain. And, you know, that, those are the things that were going through my head all weekend as I'm sitting there and thinking, you know, this is maybe the last time we get to celebrate him. And it's only fair. We've got to let him know. You know, you can't just keep doing this. But it's sad because not only personally in terms of the people that were there, whether they be from Germany or where else that, that, you know, you don't get to hang with, but, you know, that's kind of why I thought about what the future holds when I saw him walking away. Cause I was like, well, wait, wait, what's next? You know, where, where does this go? And, you know, it goes to him leading the rest of his life, like one of us and, but doing it in that different way where it's not really one of us. And what does that mean? And so, it's just, you know, I don't think about that way about Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan's, you know, he's not relatable. He's up here in this different world and you don't think that way. And he's behind gates and, and, and Dirk seems, you know, more real to all of us. And I'm sure Tim, you've had interactions with him that have surprised you and kind of, you know, enlightened you and, and, and same with you, Mike. And so, you know, you, you just hear these things and it's um, I think that that's why, almost to anybody in this city in any sport uh he brings these emotions out and not just for someone like me who knows him that my whole job is to kind of help show what i've been able to experience that it's the same for everybody yeah and it's 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 funny that none of us like we've got 15 minutes and 16 minutes into this podcast and we're not talking about his on-court product you know dirk could be dirk could be a total asshole and he'd be in the hall of fame the hall of fame is a recognition (laughs) for everything he's done on the court I think it's telling and I think it speaks to Dirk that the three of us and, you know, come on a podcast like this and we want to use this as an opportunity to be like, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame basketball player with all this influence, with all this success and on court, you know, uh, you know, just excellence. And and we know that about him. And now he's also this guy, you know, he's also Dallas's own. He's also represents, you know, so much to so many people throughout their lives. Uh, he's the constant, like you said, Mike, you know, you know, he's he's the guy who had his own self-doubt, as as you were saying, Brian, you know, he is this guy who is worth celebrating beyond what the Hall of Fame alone will celebrate him for, even though that is also, you know, fully deserving and, and you know, merited in its own right. And, you know, there's a place to talk about both, but uh, and, and, and we have, but especially leading up to this, it, it was it was always very clear to me that if I, you know, whatever I could write you know, was, was going to be more focused on just the impact he's had, uh, you know, directly to those around him and, and, you know, indirectly to, you know, so many people. And, and, you know, you were saying Mike, that, you know, you wrote the same story as, uh, you know, as, as other people had the same idea to, you know, I've, I've told my story based around Dirk, you know, after his final game. And so it's, it's a really natural instinct and, you know, it, it's, it, it very much speaks to, you know, how this guy was, in our, you know, in our lives, you know, we're, we're all shaded with, you know, not really pure fandom, you know, we're all in the media where it's, it's all different for us, but you know, that is my favorite athlete. And, you know, I have, I have no uh, qualms saying that and, you know, the, the, what he means and what he represents, um, I, I think is just, just a really, really special thing about him. And so now he's a hall of famer. Play- he's got an orange, orange suit, suit jacket. The player thing is, is, 
I think I'm guilty of this sometimes when we talk about who he is as a person. He he was such an amazing player in that, and this was something we, we cut from the article, and I think rightly so, but, you know, after Nash left, there were seven more 50-win seasons. He had two All-Stars, Josh Howard in 07, and Jason Kidd, who was an injury replacement, when the game was in Dallas the day before because he was in Dallas. So yeah. say what you want about that. So maybe one All-Star? in all those times, and he still continued to lead them to 50-win seasons. I mean, Kobe, when he had before Gasol and after Shaq, he had a 34-win team, a 42-win team, a 45-win team, didn't make the playoffs one of those years and got exited in the first round the other two. So let's not ever minimize who he was as a player. Right. Yeah. yeah. And his ability to, you know, change his game. I mean, he was a outside shooting Don Nelson special when he came in completely changed his game. What made the San Antonio 07 game seven play so amazing was we were down three and we were a team that just wasn't shooting threes anymore. And he just went and took it to the hole. That's not something he could do earlier in his career. The two plays in the 11 finals of game two and game four, when he's back in those plays in those game winners, he could not do that in 06, could not do those moves. And then he put them all together and Carlisle was able to bring out the best and put it all together. Um, you know, and then it's we're we're spoiled into who Dirk is, and, and I don't know that we're going to see something like that again. I mean, Luca is an amazing player, and he's he's quiet, and he's young, and he's growing into who he is as a personality. But I don't know that we'll see somebody like Dirk around here again. No, and I think a big part of that, and this is what I wrote about, you know, that same piece when Dirk retired. There's such a temptation, you know, and everybody's done it about connecting Dirk to Luca in a lot of ways. And it's unfair for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is the fact that, you know, Dirk came here and Brian, you had a front row seat to a lot of this, you know, he came here as a, as a very scared teenager who had never really lived life as an adult, right? He played European basketball, but let's be real. It was not high level basketball. Luca has been a professional athlete since he was 13. So Luca came here as a grown man in a lot of ways. Luca is not daunted by anything, right? For better, for worse. It's not really intimidated by a whole lot. And so as a result, he doesn't need this city. He doesn't need this place and these people the way that Dirk did. And I think that might be healthier in some ways. But when we think about who's like Dirk, it's not Luca. Giannis is the person whose story is like Dirk. The overwhelmed, raw European who comes to a place that is a basketball backwater in some senses before he gets there. And he's the one that transforms it. And then he becomes of that place. And that's a great story. Just because Luca's story isn't that doesn't mean Luca's story can't be special in other ways, right? You know, to your point, Brian, about let's not forget about Dirk, the basketball player. If there's anything that in some ways I worry endangers people forgetting about that here, it's only, it's probably the fact that Luca is so prolific that whether Luca is as good as Dirk is yet, at the very least, as a raw accumulator of numbers. If you look at the stat sheet, if you're not watching it night in, night out, and those of us who are, we see how brilliant he is, right? This isn't meant to be a comparison, but you could just look at the things he's done at that age and the number of first-team all-NBA appearances he's racked up. And it could be very, very easy to be like, well, Dirk was great, but who's done this, you know? And it would be a damn shame because Dirk is a top-20 player to ever play the game, not just in terms of what he did at his peak, but how long he did it. But to me, the greatest danger of people forgetting is, well, the next guy came along so fast and this next guy is spectacular in a totally different way that it's very easy to latch on to what is he going to do every night, you know? 
people aren't gonna think you know we'll we'll make sure you know like like every every big man shooting threes every time somebody does a one-legged fadeaway like he's i think he's very much etched into the future of the nba and, and the influences that that we will see more and more of you know when you look at the the you know as a storyteller both of you are great storytellers you know he played second division basketball in Würzburg. That that's not even the first division of the German league. And then came over, uh, did not have a good first year, wasn't sure he wanted to come back. Uh, the serendipity of having Steve Nash and Michael Finley. Steve Nash told me Saturday, he said, without Michael Finley, those first couple of years, they don't make it through. There's a reason why and that then, man's jersey should be retired sooner than later. Amen, brother. In that conversation <laughs> I had with key people this weekend. Moving on. Steve Nash, <laughs> um, I think, was instrumental in Dirk on and off the court. They lived by each other right next to where I live over here by the West Village. If you ever drive by the West Village, that old apartment, comp, the oldest one right there, right across from the Starbucks, that's where Dirk and Steve lived. The loon was right across from there. That's where they went to eat and drink. Um, and just took him out of his shell and taught him the ropes. And then you, they start winning. They start playing better. They win in 01, that first series against Utah. Dirk hurts his foot in the celebration and is injured for game one, plays, but not very well in the San Antonio series. And then when I was there in 03, they're in the Western Conference Finals. I remember standing in the tunnel in game three. We're up in the second quarter. It's a 1-1 series, and Dirk crumbles to the floor. And then the rift between Nelly and Cuban started three feet away from me in the training room when it was the battle of whether Dirk was going to play. And so the drama that was in there, and then what happens a year later? Nash is gone. And that just rips his heart out. But it may have made him better. It may have propelled him to not have his whoopee and improve. And he got 06, (laughs) the heartbreak. 07, the MVP. But you're out in the first round, and I talked about it in a previous article about how he just didn't feel he deserved that. And then it's like, okay, 08, what's going on here? We get a new coach in 09. He has personal drama in 09, and in Denver, averages over 30 points a game in the midst of all that mess. That's the great forgotten Dirk series. The numbers he put up as his life was just crumbling around him is unbelievable. He never gets enough credit for that. Yeah, because Antoine Wright doesn't know how to commit a purposeful foul. Bro, just wrap him up. (laughs) Y'all remember that? It was it was uh, yeah. it was supposed to they're supposed to foul up up three and and they didn't and Carmelo I think Carmelo steps into a three and hits it but uh, uh, Antoine Riot had kind of like half softly touched him and you know was supposed to send him the free yeah. throw line and they would have won that game that, uh, I believe that was game three so that would have made it a two uh, one series Dallas behind but anyway I digress and so just the storylines of the ups and downs and and all of that you know that's why we were with him on the journey. Uh, of all of that and so yeah. you know when you 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 put that all and then you look at what happened this weekend and you look back 25 years you're just like wow this is something that we all got to witness us and all fans in, in different ways and have those different personal feelings and that's why we get emotional about it this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who landed in Dallas for the first time. You know, the lockout ends and he comes over for his rookie season and, you know, all he knows about America. And, you know, he'd been, I think, just the one time for the Nike Hoops Hoop Summit, uh, maybe a second time. And, uh, you know, he basically knows Dallas from Dallas, the TV show. And, you know, he knows America from rap songs and there's a bunch of fans waiting there at the at the uh at the airport for him. Well, no, it's like employees disguised as fans. Yes. And 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 it's like it's like the end of the season or maybe years later that he that he finally realizes, oh man, those are those are just employees. You know, he's a guy that Nelly called Nelly was calling him a coward for, you know, all the reasons you could imagine, you know, young Nelly might, you know, well, middle-aged Nelly might be calling Dirk, young Dirk a coward. And um he didn't know what the word meant. You know, he thought he thought he was saying cowboy. Um, so like for him to be that young, impressionable dude to, you know, a guy who hold, you know, he's holding a microphone, like, like it's the most comfortable thing in the world. You know, he's holding it like he holds a basketball at the elbow, you know, Mm -hmm. like for him to go from, you know, somebody who, you know, had questionable hair decisions for multiple years in a row to, you know, he's then all of a sudden, you know, he's at his Jersey retirement and, uh, you know, there's people wearing t-shirts of his, of his old, uh, um, you know, haircuts that, uh, that, that people still love, but he's over there, you know, nice little trim cut. And, you know, he's got this, the slim fit suit. And so just the way that, you know, he's always been Dirk, but he's always changed because, you know, people change that, that is, that is part of being true to yourself is that, you know, you, start as one person and then you develop along the way and he's always been dirt throughout it all but he seeing the growth and the maturity of, of this person who was nothing like he is now he was nothing you know he was not a fully grown man like if if i i don't feel any like you said mike i feel no need to make you know a bunch of luca dirt comparisons they're their own people but it, just to add one more to it like luca came into the UA as a kid but a fully developed, mature athlete in, in some ways and in other ways, he's still learning. But, you know, the Luca we see now is a lot like the Luca we saw then. Dirk was shell shocked by what, you know, the NBA was to him when when he really started. He was shell shocked by the idea that he could be a superstar, you know, a star at all. And so for him to learn all of that to, you know, and 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 to 
you know, feel like he wasn't at some point and, and then to, to get over that and have people to rely on and, and lean on and, you know, get a burger at the loon and, you know, whether it's Steve or, or Michael or, uh, you know, Brian Damaris, you know, for, for all these people to be part of his journey and for him to end up where he is. And, you know, for this, this confident guy holding a microphone to be, you know, just, just giving a speech at, a you know, with a, with an orange burnt orange jacket on, I, I just think that's the coolest thing. You know, a couple of things that, that, that spurred my memory when you were talking. One is, you know, he was reminiscing this weekend about, uh, you know, the Landry Center. I mean, that's where they practice in a public gym <laughs> workout facility that you could just buy a membership in. And he said there were times where, like, they'd have to wait for, like, random pickup games to end when he and Steve would go and want to do some night workouts. Like, like what the heck is going on around here? And then, of course, the signing of Rodman and the that that was mm-hmm. um you know and just some of those crazy early days and then to your point tim about how he grew a lot of people think well once he got the title then he became this confident Dirk. no I, devin harris tells stories of his rookie year in 04 where you know Dirk. we we all think oh what a nice guy right he's a, he was a hard competitor and he also around 04 05 knew he was a stud and and would would went to Devin and Devin says a story like just just get me the damn ball and get out of the way rookie like like I I got this you know and, and he was he was doing that a little earlier than people think you know he he he's a negative person he said that in his press conference last week but when he was on and he knew what he was doing uh some of that on court oh and grunting and growling that was a I'm the man I got this and, you know, he may not have always said that publicly, but privately there was a lot of this, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Let's I mean, not, yeah. let's not forget one fast thing before we go. The man's funny, you know, like even, <laughs> even up there and that speech, finding a, find a room to send a stray over at Nash and kid about, you know, you got two hall of fame point guards there. He's like, well, I never got you in your prime. So I guess I had to make do with what I had. You know, it's like a total Dirk. I'm gonna bag on my teammates because that's just what he's done his whole career. Like, man, always and he's always it. and we've always seen the humor and and he's he's been that way, kind of in the locker room towel snapping way. But I think he got comfortable doing that publicly till later in his career. I think some of the jumbotron videos helped uh, break him out of the comfort zone and relate to people in a crazy way. Um, and 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 then he just you know. Once he got the title, I think he was just like, listen, I'm a made man now. I'm going to show you who I kind of always have been inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I can tell the story in the in the in the specific context of this of this podcast. You know, like like he was coming to one of the events at the AAC at uh um at some point post retirement. I, I forget which one. And, you know, somebody was giving him parking instructions and he's like, parking? I own the place, you know, like he's like, what do you mean? I have to, you know, get my, I have to get something validated, you know? And it's like, that's who he is. He's funny. And it's, it's funny because you know, the sheer amount of respect he has towards the fandom and towards the team, towards the city and, and right back at him. And so, you know, yeah, he's, he's a funny guy. And, and, you know, he he does, he'll joke sometimes about Mm -hmm. that. Like, like, Oh, you know, I built that place brick by brick. It's like, okay, uh-huh. settle down, buddy, settle down. But he did, <laughs> you know, and he knows it, but he's joking. And, and because he can be self-deprecating, you know, how many times did he mention he doesn't play any defense? Yeah. Well, yeah, we right. know he did play defense in 2011. He played fantastic defense, but he doesn't need, 
compare what he did to Dwayne Wade, who who had to showboat, who, by the way, made a costume change in the middle. I don't know if people noticed that he walked in I in red and did a speech in white. My wife and I'm like, did he just I think he changed clothes like midway yeah. through here? Like, yeah. And, and just the, the humility that Dirk can, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. It was uh, I don't know what off season it was, but it was like LeBron after losing in the finals and one of those years against the Warriors, like two days later put out a workout video and was like, I never stopped grinding. And Dirk was in Africa and he put like, he was on like a, a bicycle, like, you know, looking like the 40 year old virgin going, here's my workout. Like that's, he doesn't need to, to punch down. He doesn't need to seek attention. He's being self He's like, I got it. I'm, I'm it's all good. I'm going to make fun of myself. And, and I'm sure, you know, this is, I'm making up the end of this, uh, this parking story. This is not, but I'm sure, you know, if he did have to get a ticket validated, you know, he'd be the person walking it up to the attendant and tipping him 50 bucks and being like, thanks, man. You need anything autographed? It's just, you know, you can get these jokes off, but you know, that's just, well, that's just who Dirk is. He'll go to, he'll, he'll go to stars games sometimes when they're in the playoff run and, and, uh, you know, Mark will be generous enough to get some tickets for the suite and he'll be like, Oh, we need, you know, we need a fifth ticket. We have five of us. I'm like, Dirk, you probably don't need one. You can probably just walk in wherever you want to go. I think we're good. But but he's a rule follower, and he, I'll give you another story. He was worried Friday night that he didn't time applause breaks into his speech. They gave him ten minutes. That was the rule. Now everybody blew past it. But he was like, "I've got to cut my speech," and I was like, "Dude, they're not going to play you off. This isn't the Oscars. Like, do whatever you want." But he was like, "They told me I have ten minutes. I forgot to to compensate for applause breaks." I'm like, "Come on, man, just." Do whatever the heck you want. If, if if Dirk wants to park his car right under his the statue of himself, I feel like you know <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be some bylaw within the city council code that you know in the ordinances that all right that's legal you know it might not be legal for anybody else but if it's if it's your right. own statue you know you you got permission for that. Well, I think uh, I think that sums it up. I mean, we could go another thirty minutes telling Dirk stories. I'm sure we could, but um. Mike, we haven't hit you in a second. Any any brief parting thoughts? No, I think we summed it up. I mean, I think the one thing is just the fact that, you know, as Brian alluded to, and as Dirk has mentioned before, like this is kind of the last one. You know, this is the last big moment of Dirk, the basketball player. And that's pretty bittersweet given how much we've enjoyed with him over the years. So that it's a little sad, but uh, I don't think we could have asked for much better ride than what we got. We can always find more reasons. We can invent reasons to uh, to talk about Dirk. Maybe we uh, just short term and near term for future. Wear his orange jacket to a game and wave to us. Exactly. Give him some more flowers. Yeah. Bring him on this pod. You know, Brian, just be like, hey, I got I got an evening planned. I'm not going to tell you because if you tell him he's coming on my podcast, he's like, hell no, I'm not doing that. So you're just like, hey, man, I got I got a surprise for you. You got to come over to my place. And then you just pop a microphone. That's what's great about him is he he always will bitch. And then he always does it. (laughs) But he just has to bitch. Well, Brian, thank you so much for popping on. Uh, it was great. I'm very jealous. I was not there uh, this past week and couldn't make it. But um, glad I'm glad you were. And I'm glad Dirk's a Hall of Famer. And I'm glad that every single podcast is acknowledging that fact on any episodes they record this week. Because what else is there to talk about? Mike, thank you as always. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. It's what you do best. Do not know when we'll be back. Uh, who's to say? But um, you're not great. You're not doing an hour and a half on Derek Jones Jr.? Uh, not right now. 
It's talked right. did write a good piece for him about him over at dmagazine.com. Should you want go, to check go it out? read D Magazine, Great go read writing. The Athletic, go listen to us when whenever we're uh, potting, and uh, we'll see you next time. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. What a big part he was last year, especially nobody really believed he had any. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.